You're listening to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast, recorded in Cisco, Texas. For more information, please visit hallelujah.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning. Aren't we blessed to be here on the Sabbath day? I'm going to start this stopwatch. I usually don't look at this, but I feel like it makes y'all feel a little bit better. So, <laughs> One of the things I wanted to talk about today is something that I knew very, very little about until about a week ago when I started really studying into this sermon today. You know, it's a subject that there's definitely a segment of the population that steers clear of. And I am in that segment, leading the charge. And so I want to, uh, I took a lot of, of some of my study notes from Herb Selinsky and Boy Wilkes and others, and you're going to see that in my sermon today. So if you hear something really smart, that's them. If you hear something not so much, that's me. My subject today is the calendar. You know, when I was a child, a kid, when I heard the word calendar, I would start scratching and start actually breaking out in hives, you know. The word calendar, it just scared me, right? It actually stressed me out to hear somebody talk about the calendar. Immediately, as a child, it really did kind of stress me out. So you're either going to fall into one of two buckets, I feel like, today. You're going to fall into the bucket of, I totally get what he's saying about the calendar. That's not my thing. I'm super scared right now. I'm worried. Or you're going to fall into the bucket of, I love this. This is great. You know, this is my subject. So I want to talk to you about the calendar. And I think in order to do that, we have to figure out why is the calendar so important? If we would, let's turn to chapter 23 of Leviticus. As we all know, it really goes through and talks about, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but it goes through and it talks about all the different appointed times, the feast of Passover, Pentecost, Trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles. Let's read verse 3. There are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of rest, a day of sacred assembly. You are not to do any work wherever you live. It is a Sabbath to Yahweh. These are Yahweh's appointed feasts, the sacred assemblies you are to proclaim at the appointed times. Yahweh's Passover begins at twilight on the 14th day of the first month. On the 15th day of the month, Yahweh's Feast of Unleavened Bread begins. For seven days you must eat bread made without yeast. On the first day, hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. For seven days, present an offering made to Yahweh by fire. And on the seventh day, hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. So we've got Passover coming up, so I just wanted to highlight Passover here. You know, it says the 14th day of the first month. And so when we read these scriptures, we want to keep that in the context of Yahweh's calendar. You know, why is Yahweh's calendar so important? Well, it's because it points to the times of Yahweh's feast days, his appointed times each year. So one of the things you may or may not know is that here at the Assembly of Yahweh, each year we actually get together and we go over the calendar. We actually make the calendar, okay? We all sit down in a room, this room actually, And we look at some statistics from the Naval Observatory. 
And don't get scared by the term Naval Observatory, okay? This is what freaked me out when I was a kid. When people started talking about Naval Observatories, that stressed me out. This is some smart stuff. How can I get this? This is beyond me, okay? And you feel like there should be a ship involved somewhere. So don't get too scared of that. But it is something that we we look at to determine when the new moons are going to be. And therefore, by looking at the new moons, we can figure out when Yahweh's appointed times are, when his feast days are. Okay? But let's say for an example, what if this group of people that get together every year, and it's just, you know, we usually announce it and say, hey, we're going to look at the calendar this year. We're going to look at these uh, statistics and everything. And whoever wants to show up shows up. But what if those people didn't show up, you know? What if they said, you know what, not super interested in continuing to, to do this calendar. There's a lot of people that don't seem to care that we're doing this. They don't, they don't really appreciate what we're doing. And let them do the calendar. What would you do? You don't know how to do the calendar. You don't know how to start that. And these other people don't do it. Who does it, right? How do you do it? So that's the importance of the calendar is to figure out when Yahweh's appointed times are, when his feast days are. So we need to figure out how to do that. So what would happen if they didn't show up, if they didn't put that calendar together? You know, next month we've got Passover. So Passover, you know, what, what would happen if you didn't know? If that calendar wasn't in your hand, you didn't have it, how do you figure it out? I think I would probably show up next week. Uh, Ted would show up the following week. All those procrastinators, you know, that always kind of show up late to church, they would arrive at Passover 2019 in 2020. It would be chaos unless we kind of know when it's going to be. What if you said, well, hey, I don't really need to have this calendar because I've got it on my phone, right? That seems like a logical question, a logical kind of, all right, Josh, it's 2019. I can just look at my phone. I can punch this button and Siri will tell me when Passover is, which makes sense. Why don't you do that? Go ahead, pull out your phone and just look at it. Look at April. That's when Passover is. I'm going to give you a hint. iPhone should have it on April 20th of this year. You can look at it. If you'll notice, ours is on April 19th is our Passover. So what is the problem? Why is Siri and Apple different than our calendar on the 19th? So why is Yahweh's calendar and man's calendar different? It's because Yahweh's calendar is Yahweh's calendar. Yahweh gave us his calendar first. And we as men, we always like to change things up, right? So I don't know what it is about us. You know, Yahweh gave uh, Adam and Eve one rule. Hey, don't eat from the tree of good and evil. And what did they do? So for whatever reason, we made our own calendar. And that calendar today that we go by is called the Gregorian calendar, okay? Again, don't get, don't get stressed out like I do. The Gregorian calendar is named after Pope Gregory. 
The Gregorian calendar is the most widely used civil calendar in the world. It is named after Pope Gregory VIII, who introduced it in October 1582. The calendar spaces leap years to make the average year 365.2425 days long, approximating the 365.2422-day tropical year that is determined by the Earth's revolution around the sun. You know, so we see that, that there's two calendars, man and Yahweh's. So while we could pull out our phones and ask Siri when the Passover is, and we could all buy that calendar on your phone, show up to the right spot on a day, it doesn't necessarily mean that we show up to the right spot on the right biblical day. Why is that? It's because the Passover that we see on our calendars today is a calculated Passover, meaning that while we can predict it within basically a couple-day window, it's not actually biblically correct until we visually spot the new moon. So Rabbi Hillel was a Jewish rabbi, and he was, at the time in history when the temple was destroyed, extremely smart man. And after the temple was destroyed, he actually built a calendar, built a calendar that would calculate when Passover was within a few days. And it's pretty accurate. It's my understanding that's the calendar that most Jewish people go by. Even to this day, they still have that calendar. But they don't use that calendar in combination with the new moon sightings. So I guess... To simplify it, you've heard the phrase trust but verify. The Jews calculate and we calculate but verify with the sighting of the new moon. So if we want to serve Yahweh on his appointed times, we need to know when those are. So we need to understand his calendar. So where do we go to figure that out? Let's turn over to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 14. And Yahweh said, let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years and let them be for lights in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And Yahweh made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And Yahweh set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light between the darkness and Yahweh saw that it was good. So Yahweh indicates that he has set up the sun and the moon to give us direction on how to keep track of time. One of the benefits of going through this study is just how awesome Yahweh's creation actually is, how precise it is. Reading in Genesis 1 through 14, it talks about seasons. This word seasons is from the Strong's word, Hebrew word, moed, which means appointed times. You know, in Leviticus 23, this word moed is mentioned six different times in that same context, referring to Yahweh's feast days, referring to his Passover and Pentecost, referring to tabernacles. This seasons is Yahweh's appointed times. Okay. What this means is that Yahweh has given the lights in the sky, the greater light to rule the day, the sun, right? 
and the lesser light to rule the night, the moon. These are what trigger the dawning of a biblical new day, new month, and the biblical new year. So Voy Wilkes says in Genesis 1.14, reports two great lights are for signs, seasons, days, and years. Most have noted that seasons refers to the annual festivals, but most ignore the word signs. A sign is generally something visible, a highway sign, for example. You know, we all know that a biblical day is from sundown, right, to sundown. Sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. So what's a biblical month, right? How do we, how do we determine a biblical month? And what about a biblical year? When does that year start? How do we go from calculating days to calculating actual months and years? This is not as complicated, I hope, as, as what I initially thought. You know, typically, our biblical month is always going to be between 29 and 30 days. I say typically, it is between 29 and 30 days is your biblical month. Okay, that's the time period. In order to understand what is intended from Genesis 1.14 for years, we should look for a consistent pattern in what we already know about the beginning of days and months. Light from the heavenly bodies is a trigger for the events described. The light trigger for distinguishing a new day is the transition from light to dark of the sun. The light trigger for beginning a new month is the new crescent moon in the western sky. Genesis 1.14 declares that the lights themselves determine these matters, not a prediction of these lights and not an approximate calculation of these lights. That's why we need the visual sighting of the new moon. That new moon starts the new month, okay? Remember earlier I said that the Passover on our iPhone shows it to be on the 20th because it's calculated. You know, we, we too use some amount of calculation, but then we visually go out and look for that new moon to make sure it lines up with what we're calculating, you know. And that's why sometimes when we have our feasts, our high days can move a day, depending on when we see that new moon, right? We'll have it on our calendar, but you'll hear everybody come, well, it may not, it may not be uh, on this day because it may slide a day because of the new moon cycle. And when we go out there and we look at it, this has nothing to do with astrology or worship of Yahweh's creation, but it has everything to do with the timing of the worship of Yahweh. Okay, we want to try to get that right. That's why we're looking for that new moon. I had a scripture in here that I wanted to read. Deuteronomy 4.19. And when you look up to the heavens and see the sun, the moon, and the stars, all the hosts of heaven, do not be led astray and bow down to them and serve them, things that Yahweh your Elohim has allotted to all the peoples everywhere under heaven. So when we look up at the moon, we're not worshiping the moon. That has nothing to do with it. All we're doing is we're worshiping Yahweh. We're trying to figure out the exact date to come and worship at his exact appointed times. So let's look at 1 Samuel. When we talk about the timing of worship to Yahweh, the visually looking for the moon, 1 Samuel 20 and verse 5 is the story of David and Jonathan. And David and Jonathan, you know, were great friends. But David perceived that King Saul was not really that happy with him. And so he told Jonathan, hey, the new moon's coming up. 
but I don't think your dad's all that happy with me, so I'm just going to hang out here if it's okay. You cover for me, and if he seems a little irritated, you know, if he throws stuff at you, then come back and tell me, and I'm going to leave for good. But if he seems fine with it, then I'll know everything's great. So some of the verses to look at are verse 5, uh, 12, 19, and 24. Maybe we'll just go to 24. So David hid in the field, and when the new moon came, the king sat down to eat food. The king sat on his seat, as usual, the seat by the wall. Then Jonathan rose up, and Abner sat down by Saul's side. But David's place was empty. Nevertheless, Saul did not speak anything that day, for he thought, it is an accident. He is not clean. Surely he is not clean. It came about the next day, the second day of the new moon that David's place was empty. So Saul said to Jonathan, his son, why has the son of Jesse not come to the meal either yesterday or today? So why is this significant? It's because it's the second day of the new moon. It looks like that they were looking for the new moon a day earlier, but it didn't come. And so they stayed over looking for the new moon that second day. And what this shows is that the visual sighting of the new moon determines the start of the month. I hope that makes sense. Okay, so for the start of a day and the start of a month, the sun and moon trigger those occurrences. To continue this biblical pattern, we should expect these two characteristics of a light trigger to the determination of each new year. Let's look at Numbers 28 and 14. Their drink offerings shall be half a hen of wine. For a bull, one-third of a hen for a ram, and one-fourth of a hen for a lamb. This is the burnt offering of every month throughout the months of the year. Of every month throughout the months of the year. This indicates that each month consists of whole months, and the months are numbered, as we can see in Leviticus 23 and all through the Bible, where it talks about on the 14th day of the first month, you're to come celebrate Passover, right? That's Leviticus 23. Also look at Deuteronomy 11.11. It says, but the land that you are crossing over to occupy is a land of hills and valleys, watered by rain from the sky, a land that Yahweh your Elohim looks after. The eyes of Yahweh your Elohim are always on it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. So what this is indicating again is that there is a biblical start to the year, a definite beginning to the biblical year. We need to consider then a light trigger that determines the first month of the year. To be consistent, having the two characteristics described, we should seek a light trigger that identifies which new moon is the first in the year. It should occur at or shortly before the new moon. The sun must be involved. There are four repeatable signs. So, in other words, if we're looking for the first month in the year, in other words, which new moon, we understand the new moon is the new month, but which new moon? Is it this month's new moon? Or is it next month's new moon? Or six months from now, is it that new moon? Which one starts the new year? How do we figure that out? The sun has to be involved in this. And so there are four repeatable signs of the sun that recur in an annual pattern. The two equinoxes and the two solstices. Among these four, only the vernal equinox fits the time of the year that the Israelites left Egypt. So I'll stop right there and try to explain a few things. Again, this is where I usually get stressed out, is the whole 
equinox. Somebody just said the word equinox and vernal, and I have no idea what they're talking about, right? All you need to think about when you hear the word vernal is spring. Spring equals vernal. That's the same thing, but we like to say vernal because it makes us sound smarter, okay? So, to not confuse anybody, there are two equinoxes. There's a spring equinox and a fall equinox. And there are two solstices, the winter solstice and there's a summer solstice. And, you know, in the winter solstice, uh, because winter, everything just dies, right? It gets cold. The grass stops growing. The trees start, stop making leaves and everything dies. And it's just kind of depressing. And there was a time when, that, when the sun, if you notice that sun going through the sky, it comes up. It's a shorter daylight hours every day until finally or somewhere around December 21st. It is uh, the winter solstice. It's the shortest day of the year, right? Same thing on the other end. Somewhere around June 21st is the longest day of the year. Those two days are just the winter solstice, the shortest day of the year, and the summer solstice, the longest day of the year. And in between those two are your equinoxes, spring and fall, okay? So let's look at Jeremiah 36. So we need to figure out Out of these four annual solar occurrences, repeatable signs, right, which one determines the new moon? Because one of them does. So look at Jeremiah 36, 22. Now the king was sitting in his winter apartment. It was the ninth month. And there was a fire burning in the brazier before him. This verse shows the ninth month occurs in the winter. Since there are roughly three months in every season, this would imply that the sixth month occurs in the autumn, the third month occurs in summer, and the first month occurs in the spring. The spring begins with the vernal equinox, the spring equinox, okay? But you might be still confused as to what is an equinox? You know what spring is, but what's an equinox, right? I was. What is that? I don't know. It's when the day is equal to the night. Pretty simple. Equal night with equal day. Right down the middle. Okay? So you can stop scratching. You can stop having hives. That's what the equinox is. All right? Why is it important? Why is the equinox important? It's important because the new moon sighted on or after the equinox is the beginning of of the new biblical year. It is the first month of the biblical year. All right, so why is the equinox important? Again, because it triggers us to look for the first new moon on or after the equinox as the first month of the biblical year. So, you know, isn't it really hard to find out which day is the spring equinox? I mean, it's one day out of the year. Right? We're talking about naval observatory calculation, computation tables, so how did these, how did these uh, ancient Hebrews figure this out? You know, we're so much smarter than those people way back then. They were just not very smart. If you listen to popular opinion, they drug women around and beat them over the head with a club. You know, that's kind of the perception. That's kind of what you hear a lot. How on earth could they figure this stuff out? You know... I was driving down the road this week and driving due east. 
And the sun is coming straight through the windshield. And just so you know, March 20th was this year's equinox, which was this week. Okay? And when that happens, the sun rises on the day of equinox, the spring equinox and the fall equinox, rises due east and sets due west. What does that mean? As it tracks across the earth, when it comes up first thing in the morning, it's at 90 degrees due east. When it sets, it's at 270 degrees due west. All right? And so I'm driving down this dirt road, and the sun is up in the sky in the morning, and it's just blazing through my window. And, you know, it's at that moment when it's shining so brightly right in your face, and you really can't see the road anymore that you realize, man, I I haven't even noticed the sun. I don't know when the last time I've noticed the sun is. You know, people talk about waking up early and watching the sunrise, how romantic that is. And I feel like those people are crazy. Like, why don't you just sleep in a little longer? So I was was up and I I was watching, you know, the sun's coming up and it's shining in my face and it's blinding me. But the people back in the day looked at the sun every day. And they studied the sun. They actually thought about, what's it doing in the sky over there? Unlike us and our, we don't need to really think about that because we pull out our phones and we look at it and look at the calendar. And somebody else made this other calendar, so it's on the calendar that we have now. You know, you can put Yahweh's calendar on right on top of the Apple iPhone calendar. And now we have Yahweh's Passover and man's Passover. So how did these ancient people figure this stuff out? In ancient times, uh, the Hebrews and the Babylonians and all these different cultures throughout, throughout the different parts of the world would track uh, the motion of the sun and how they would figure out when the summer solstice was, when the winter solstice was, and when the two equinoxes were. If you look at this slide, this is some Mayan ruins down in Mexico, and that's the, that's the equinox. It comes up, the sun will rise right through a big window in one of the Mayan temples on the day of equinox. Uh, flip to the next one. Again, this is a Mayan ruin. And if you look, this is only one day of year this will happen in, in Mexico. But if you look at that uh, pyramid, you'll see the stairs going up to the top of their pagan temple, right? At the very bottom of those stairs are heads of snakes. And on the day of equinox, that shadow, you can see how it's kind of lit there. And it looks like that the body and the tail of the snake, that sun on the day of equinox comes down from the top and connects to that head down at the very bottom. It's pretty cool. I thought I'd pull out this slide and just show that to you that 2,000 years ago, they're able to actually figure out exactly when the equinox is occurring, so much so that they can make this art on the side of their staircase going down to their pagan snakehead. Anyway. So Yahweh gives us suns, the sun moon and stars to tell the passage of time and thereby when his calendar year starts 
And more importantly, when we're to come up and worship Him. And Yahweh said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth. And it was so. Yahweh made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. Yahweh set them in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And Yahweh saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. If we can turn to Psalms 148, a real short verse, but it says this, Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Psalms 19 says, The heavens are telling the glory of Yahweh, and the firmament claims His handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In the heavens He has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom from His wedding canopy. And like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. Nothing is hid from its heat. You know, as, as I get older, I, I see more and more that Yahweh's creation speaks to His glory. Last week, me and my family were in Colorado and we enjoyed some time up there and it snowed one of the days like eight or ten inches. And you're looking at the aspen trees, which are beautiful all by themselves. They're just a very beautiful tree, especially for people from Texas who are used to post oaks and scrub oaks. They have this weird, uncanny ability to trim themselves as they go up. And then you pile on top of that eight or ten inches of snow, and it's just looking out at the mountains. It's a beautiful sight, you know. It made me think of Yahweh's creation and how much He has blessed us. I'm sure that, you know, He could have made it to where it's summer all year round or winter all year round. You know, people... Some people like winter, some people like summer, some people like spring and fall, and he could have made it the creation, the earth, to where there was only one season if he wanted, but he gives us four to really mark the passage of time, to show us how it's, it's getting away from us. The older you get, you'll, you'll find that it just starts to get away from you. It, it, uh, it's the one resource that is very, very, very finite. We always want more time. Yahweh's creation is something to marvel at. I think it speaks to the character that He has. And it reminds us again of the passage of time. We can never get back time. You know, uh, we, are, we are very obsessed actually with, with time, with the calendar. Uh, we so often, we put special events, you know, graduations, birthdays, weddings, on the calendar, right? People send you invitations, hey, show up over here, come to my, my event, or this or that. You know, we put our meetings on calendars, our conference calls on calendars. Also, we don't forget them. We make plans, and we put those plans on our calendars. Is it any wonder that Yahweh wants us to remember His calendar so that we can plan a time when we can come and meet with Him, that we can come and worship Him? 
Yahweh's, Yahweh's calendar determines his appointed times, his appointed feasts. And uh, Yahweh's calendar, it's important because of that very thing. And so that is all I have today. And I hope that Yahweh blesses you. And uh, hope this was, oh, I forgot to tell you guys to look underneath your seats. It would have made it way easier if y'all would have got out your protractors and your compasses. I put one under your seats there. So you can play with those here in a minute. Thank y'all.